Good morning, and thank you, Austin, for sharing your testimony this morning, your story. As we begin, I'd like to read 1 Peter 3, 13 to 16. In 1 Peter 3, 13 to 16, we read this. Now, who is there to harm you if you're zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, them for doing evil. Good morning. Today is week three in a mini-series on evangelism. Let's go fishing, fishing with Jesus. Leading up to Easter, we are talking about outreach and evangelism. We have looked to our call to cast the kingdom nets, the good news of the gospel, spiritual life-saving news of Jesus' sacrifice and atonement for the sins of all and to all. We saw how we are to deliver the news to all, and let God do the sorting out later. Repent from sin and turn to Jesus as Lord, we should be proclaiming. We've also looked at a few of Jesus' first disciples and how they were called to follow him and immediately left all they were doing to do so. Jesus called not the extraordinary people of the day, the popular wise, but the ordinary hardworking and willing. He even called fishermen. He is still calling ordinary and willing individuals. Jesus is calling you, me, all of his people to follow him, to serve him, to glorify him, and to go fishing with the good news of the gospel. Today we're talking about discovering your story. I believe that one of the best and first ways we might and should share the good news of Jesus Christ and the salvation from sin that he brings to our life is through our testimonies our life stories. But what is a testimony? What is your story of salvation? How do we know our testimony, how, our story? How do we write this? How do we deliver or share our testimony, our story? How do we give a defense for the hope in us with others? How do we discover our story? We'll look to this over the next couple weeks. First, today we must realize that it's not about us. You see, Discovering your story, your testimony is not about seeing how great you are or what you have done. It's about discovering how great God is and what he has done in and for your life and then sharing it with others. That is the big idea today and for the next couple of weeks really. You see, let's expand upon that thought. You see, we do not need to be CEOs of major corporations, major influencers in social media groups or majors in the military. We do not need to be professional athletes or anything else society may think to be the most successful of population. To make a difference for God's kingdom, you must show Jesus. We simply need to go out with a willingness to share the good news of what God has done in your life through Jesus and salvation from sin. In 1 Peter 3, of which we stated, started with today, it says in verse 15, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to 
to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Notice that first sentence there. But in your heart honor Christ as the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. I don't think it's too far of a push to say when it says, but in your heart's honor, Christ the Lord is holy by being prepared. That if we're not prepared to give defense for the hope that's within us, we're not. We're not honoring Christ the Lord as holy within our hearts. Are you prepared? You see, these words are as important today as they were when Peter wrote them. The question is, how do we do it? How do you respond with gentleness and reverence to those that are slandering you and treating you unjustly? How do you keep your focus on what is important and do what is right when your emotions may be the complete opposite? Well, Pastor Alster Tim Keller stated this week, all Christians have opportunities to serve those who might never come to church or to listen to a sermon. I'd like to expound upon that statement by pointing out that all Christians have the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus with people who might never come to church or listen to a sermon or pastor to hear it. How do we serve these people? How do we share the good news with people? With our life. With our life story. But I understand this is not always easy to do. Sometimes you will be slandered, persecuted, bullied for sharing that you are a Christian and sharing your story of salvation. Sometimes you will be called to talk to people who may intimidate you, scare you, are strangers to you, or maybe you just don't like. But none of this changes the fact that we have a story to share and we must share it for this is our defense of the hope that is in our life and available to others too. You see, discovering your story, your testimony, allows you to make a defense to anyone for the hope that is in you and available for others as well. What a resource we have to share. This is great news. We have something that's come so natural to us to help others see the light of Christ. You have been mercifully, gracefully blessed with more than anything this world or yourself could ever give or earn. Share this news. You have salvation from sin, not based upon works, but God's grace and repentance from sin, following Jesus as Lord. Tell your story. Tell of your life before Christ, how you came to repent, turn from your old life of sin and follow Jesus, and how your life has been since. Tell of the hope that is in you, as 1 Peter 3, 15 says. Now, we have an idea of fishing for this evangelism series. And as I thought about fishing, and the picture here on the screen behind me, I thought about how to be a successful fisherman, you need a few things. To be a successful fisherman, maybe you have a backpack full of lures, full of extra fishing line, full of hooks, full of bait, whatever it may be. To be a successful fisherman, you need a fishing pole or at least some fishing line with a hook on it and a stick, depending on what type of fish you're going after, a big <laughs> stick. To be a successful fisherman, maybe you need a map. 
Let's think about this for a moment. How about a map? You see, when I go fishing, I like to study the lake or the river with a map to discover where I might most be most successful at fishing that day. I look, where are the deep spots? Where are the shallow spots? Where are the rock edges? Where are the weed lines? Where are the drop-offs? Where are the hot spots to fish that day? You see, the man in this picture looks as if he is studying the lake himself from afar. It looks like he's looking, peering down. Maybe first of all, thinking, how do I get to that lake? How do I get to those fish that I'm called to get to? And then how am I going to fish for them? What am I going to use? You see, we must study our life and what Christ has done for us. We must discover our stories, our testimonies. We must study Christ's story in us, and we must use it to catch the fish God has for us to catch. Please turn to Acts 26 as we continue today with seeing an example of a testimony, a story from Paul. We're being Acts 26, Acts 26, for the next couple weeks. This is a long section of scripture. It is powerful, and there's just a lot to unpack, too much for me to attempt in one day in the day of communion. You see, this is the most comprehensive description of Paul's conversion found in Scripture. This is an amazing example of not just a testimony and defense of the hope we have to one another, but what Pastor J. Vernon McGee once called one of the greatest sermons ever preached. Why is it considered by J. Vernon McGee one of the greatest sermons ever preached? Well, Paul uses this opportunity in chains to preach the radical, life-transforming power of Jesus in an attempt ultimately not to defend himself, to get out of jail free, to get out of trouble, but to convert King Herod Agrippa and anyone else present to Christianity. Paul had an opportunity to preach the news, to share his story, and he took it. Let's read from Acts 26, 1 to 32. So Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. What a great blessing we already see here for Paul. Since no one was present to accuse Paul, he could speak for himself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and made his defense. What a great opportunity Paul had. He uses it to proclaim Christ. Paul says in verse 2, I consider myself fortunate, that is, before you, King Agrippa. I'm going to make my defense today against all the accusations of the Jews, especially because you are familiar with all the customs. Look at that. Listen to that. He is already complimenting him. Excuse that noise. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. My manner of life from my youth spent from the beginning among my own nation and in Jerusalem is known by all the Jews. They have known for a long time, if they're willing to testify, that according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand here on trial because of my hope in the promise made by God to our fathers, to which our twelve tribes hope to attain, as they earnestly worship night and day. And for this hope I am accused by Jews, O King." Why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth, and I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. 
And I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme. And in raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. In this connection, verse 12, in this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priest. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, who are you, Lord? Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet. For I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Verse 19 now, verse 19. Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and throughout all the region of Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. For this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. To this day I have had the help that comes from God, and so I stand here testifying both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass, that the Christ must suffer, and that by seeing the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. And as he was saying these things in his defense, Festus, Festus, the governor, the new governor here, said with a loud voice, Paul, you're out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. But Paul said, I am not out of my mind. Most excellent Festus, notice those words. But I am speaking true and rational words. For the king knows about these things, and to him I speak boldly. For I am persuaded that none of these things has escaped his notice. For this has not been done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. And Agrippa said to Paul, In a short time would you persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul said, Whether short or long, I would to God, that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these chains. Then the king rose, and the governor, and Bernice, and those who were sitting with him, with them. And when they had withdrawn, they said to one another, this man is doing nothing to deserve death or imprisonment. And Agrippa said to Festus, This man could have been set free if he had not appeared to Caesar. We're studying this more next week. There's just not enough time to unpack it all in one week. But what I want you to see today as kind of an a overview of this chapter, what I want you to see before concluding is how to share your story, how to write your story, your testimony from Paul's example here. You see, Paul's testimony is on display here. And Paul's testimony is a great declaration of the life-transforming, life-giving power of the gospel of Christ with the intent or evident purpose of winning Agrippa and anyone else who hears to Christ. 
Paul's testimony again is a declaration of the life-transforming, life-giving power of the gospel of Christ with the intent or evident purpose of winning a grip on anyone else who hears to Christ. Paul is preaching the gospel here, and he uses his testimony to do so. And we can too. We can use our testimony to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here, in Paul's testimony, we see an introduction. We see history or background, his before Christ life. We see a conversion story. How did he come to know Christ as Lord, as Savior? To follow after him. Then we see his Christian life after. But then don't miss that in the end, there's also a challenge. There's actually a challenge throughout his story, but also in the end. Paul challenges King Agrippa, not just in his knowledge of God's word and application, but in what or whom we will choose to follow now after hearing his, Paul's defense of the hope within him. His testimony. In verses 28 to 29, we read of this challenge. And King Agrippa said to Paul, In a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul said, Whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these chains. We'll look more to Paul's testimony and ours next week, but today I want to challenge you in a few ways. One, are you prepared to make a defense of the hope that is in you? As 1 Peter 3, 13 to 16 proclaims. Spend some time thinking, contemplating this week. Are you prepared? Am I prepared? Are you prepared? I believe that we are all prepared. We all have been transformed. We all have been given that radical life-providing, life-giving, sin-forgiving Jesus. But we must think about what has happened in our life, and we must think about it often. When I go fishing, I put time into contemplating, planning my trip. I study the lake. I study the fish I may want to catch. And how will I reach them? What do I have to reach them? Have you put time into contemplating, studying the people God wants you to reach, to catch, and how you are going to reach them? Two, contemplate your story, your testimony. Study your life story. You see, needing to think about it is not an excuse to not be sharing it because we must be prepared. You must already be contemplating it, contemplating it often. Have you considered what you have to reach others for Christ, for God's kingdom? You have good news. You have life-saving good news. Discover your story. Sit down and write it out. Practice it out. Get comfortable sharing it. Meet with a buddy a fellow Christian, a brother or sister in Christ, and share each other, share with each other your testimony so you can get comfortable with it. We all have a story. We all have a testimony, a defense to share of the hope that is within. Paul in chains continues to share his story. Will you share yours? All of our stories matter, for all of our stories should include Jesus. He should be in the main point of our story. It doesn't matter if you accepted Christ as Lord in vacation Bible school. It doesn't matter if you accepted Christ as Lord when you're age six, going to bed after reading or praying with mom and dad. It doesn't matter if you accepted Christ as Lord after a drunken night binging on alcohol. It doesn't matter when or where you accepted Christ as Lord. What matters is that you did. 
you did. Now tell the world. Tell the world your testimony, your story has power. It matters. Your testimony or story is simply an introduction. The history of life before Christ. Sharing your conversion story, how you came to know him as Lord and telling of your life since. But don't forget to include at the end a challenge to those who hear. Do you know Jesus as Lord, Savior of your life? Repent and follow him. Turn away from sin. Trust in Jesus and have faith. Number three, share your testimony. Share your testimony. I've heard three testimonies this week after last week's challenge, and I would like to hear 100 more. Email me, call me, text me, ask to have a coffee or a Coke or walk with me. Share your testimony, but with others too. This is the most important thing. People who do not already know Jesus as Lord need to hear your story. They need to hear about Jesus. Number four, give a challenge. I will end with an astounding thought. In verse 28, some translations state that King Agrippa might have almost been convinced. Almost. The King James Version reads, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. The New King James Version says you almost persuaded me. The New American Standard Bible, the NASB, says, In a short time you are going to persuade me to make a, a Christian, make myself a Christian. Almost a Christian, short time. Nevertheless, he would not bow to Christ in the scriptures we know to be true at this time. He would remain, as one pastor states, tragically blind, unrepentantly clinging to sin and remaining a part of the kingdom of Satan. Under power of Satan, as verse 18 proclaims. Here's the astounding thought. Almost Christians end up not in God's kingdom but hell and bound to Satan for eternity. Being almost Christian would never be enough. We must see Christ as Lord, repent, turn away from sin, and follow him fully. We have a mission. We have a great commission to go out and share our story, to share the news of Jesus with all nations and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Only those who submit fully to the righteousness of God and Christ and abandoning any and all hope of being saved by any other means will be truly saved and welcomed into the kingdom of God. Almost Christians will never be enough. Follow Jesus. Do you know almost Christians? Challenge them. Do you know non-Christians? Challenge them. Maybe you need a challenge. Start by discovering and sharing your story, your testimony of the hope in you. Is powerful. But it's not because of who you are or what you have done. It's because it focuses on God and what he has done in you through Christ Jesus as Lord. Before I close in prayer, let me read that one more time. Your testimony of hope in you is powerful. But it's not because of who you are or what you have done. It's because it focuses on God and what he has done in you through Christ Jesus as Lord. Lord, let's close in prayer now. Lord, we thank you for the hope that we have in us. We thank you that Jesus is king of our life, reigning over us. He is Lord and he saves. We thank you, Lord, that you loved us so much to send Jesus 
to die for us upon that cross as an atonement for our sins, to forgive our sins, to take the punishment for our sins, to take upon himself the wrath that we deserved. Yet while we are still sinners, we thank you for your love. And we pray, Lord, that we would share your love with others through our stories, not pointing to us what we've done, but pointing to you. It's in your holy and powerful name we pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. Please stand as the worship team comes up and we sing, Oh Lord, you're beautiful. <laughs>